You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down UFC Fight Night Copenhagen, as well as UFC 243, Adesanya versus Whitaker. So without any further ado, let's get things started and step into the ring. Hey, everyone. Hope everybody's having a good day, night, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Hope everything's going well for you guys, and I hope you're ready because we got a big episode for coming in at coming at you today. Sorry, I can't speak apparently. (laughs) So let's start out with some news. Obviously, we had the Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens fight um, end in 15 seconds due to that eye poke at the UFC Fight Night Mexico City, but it did get rebooked for October 18th in uh, UFC Fight Night in Boston. It's going to serve as the co-main event to Chris Weidman's light heavyweight debut against Dominic Reyes. So that's a really good fight to put as the co-main event. Um, Smart that they didn't make it the main event, just in case something was bound to go wrong again. Hopefully not, because I really want to see this fight, and I think everybody does, including the uh, every fan I know. If you're a hardcore fan, everybody wants to see this fight. Everybody tunes in for Jeremy Stevens. And I don't really see anybody not tuning in for Yair Rodriguez. I mean, he was in one of the biggest fights of the year with um, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. Um, We already talked about that on the previous podcast, if you didn't listen. But yeah, so that's really good. I'm glad to see that that got rebooked in in a short amount of time. We got about three weeks and we'll we'll be seeing that fight again about three weeks from tomorrow. And uh, Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, number two. Aside from that, we've got a big fight announcement for UFC Fight Night in, where are they at? Busan, I think in South Korea. Busan, South Korea, or somewhere in Korea, I'm pretty sure. We've got the main event announced for December 21st, a featherweight bout between the Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung, and the returning Brian T-City Ortega. This is a huge fight for the featherweight division. One of the best fights you can make with the people who are currently available. Obviously, Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be fighting Max Blessed Holloway for the UFC featherweight championship at UFC 245. So this is a fight where you can get some top contenders out of it. And then you've also got Kelvin Cater versus Zabit Magomed Sharipov on November 9th in Moscow, I believe. So... That's could that's probably going to be the number one contender fight is going to be Cater uh, versus Zabit. I kind of see whoever wins that fight getting the next title shot, or they fight the winner of uh, Korean Zombie and Brian T City Ortega. But to be honest, I I feel like Cater versus Zabit is probably the next number one contender. Considering Ortega just fought Holloway not that long ago, that was his last fight, and if he was to win. I don't see him, sorry about that, I don't see him, you know, going right back into the title shot. So, um, let's see, what else do we got? Like I said, we got a lot to talk about, so let's go into that currently. Sorry guys, it's, I'm trying to get this message out. Anyway. Um, other fight announcements, nothing too huge. We kind of covered everything the Korean zombie and Brian Ortega. That's, that's big enough. Now let's go into UFC Copenhagen taking place this Saturday, uh, afternoon. And it's going to be a really good card guys. I mean, you know what? I don't want to say really good because the main event 
if you're not a hardcore fan, you're probably not going to go out of your way to tune in. But this is a very, very good and very competitive fight in the middleweight division. We've got the main event bout in the middleweight division between Jack the Joker Hermanson and Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer. Um, Can Cannoneer's coming off a second round TKO over Anderson Silva, which was at UFC 237 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And then Jack the Joker Hermanson's coming off a unanimous decision victory over Ronaldo Jacare Souza, who has now confirmed to be moving up to the light heavyweight division, taking on Jan Blahovic, who just ended up knocking out Luke Rockhold and breaking his jaw at UFC 239. So is he is uh yeah, can't talk, like I said, is um Jan Blahovic the uh killer of the middleweights. When they move up to light heavyweight. Could be. You never know. So with the, with the way I see this fight going. You know I, I don't know too much about Cannoneer. I have seen him compete. Obviously I saw him fight against Anderson Silva. And I saw him beat David Branch via TKL. And Jack Hermanson looked really good in his fight against Jacare Souza, beating him by decision, a pretty clear-cut decision in the in a five-round fight. I believe it was like a 50-45 or a 49-46 unanimous decision for Jack the Joker Hermanson. And when it comes out, I see this fight going. You know, to be honest, Hermanson definitely has the uh, jiu-jitsu advantage. If it goes to the ground, Jack the Joker Hermanson is probably going to put Cannoneer away quite easily. I would say. And that's not to say that Cannoneer's not a good, well-rounded fighter. You know, he trains out of, under John Crouch at the lab, um, the coach of former lightweight champion in the UFC, Smooth Benson Henderson. If any of you guys are, you know, back, or watched UFC back in like 2011, 2012, that was probably one of the biggest names to come out of the lab with John Crouch. But... Jared Cannonier is all power. He's shredded at 185 pounds, formerly fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight. So this guy carries heavy, heavy power. And if he lands on your chin, he's going to put you to sleep. But he's also can be patient and technical. He was pretty patient against Anderson Silva and uh, didn't really rush things too much and ended up knocking, finishing Anderson with that leg kick. Um, I believe he checked a leg kick of Anderson Silva. I could be wrong, though. Maybe he landed it. I know it was off of a leg kick, and Silva fell to the ground grabbing his leg like he blew his knee out or something like that. Um, but I just think Jack Hermanson's jiu-jitsu is, is the key in this fight. You know, you saw he was almost able to submit Jacare with that Armin, uh, that Armin guillotine. And he's, that's probably his best submission is his Armin guillotine if he gets a hold of you. In that position, he's probably going to finish you, or he'll uh, use that position to transition to top position on the ground and rain vicious, vicious ground and pound. And uh, so it's going to be a battle of can Jack Hermanson get it to the ground and can Cannoneer keep it on the feet and land his power shots. I just think Jack Hermanson is a more well-rounded fighter overall, and I think he's going to be able to tire out Jared Cannoneer, avoid a lot of the big shots on the feet, take him down to the ground. I don't see him getting a submission, but I think he's able to work ground and pound over the like two or three rounds and end up getting a TKO finish over Jared, the killer gorilla cannoneer. 
and would be really close to to earning a title shot in that division with a win over Cannoneer. One more win after that, and he definitely could be a title contender at 185 pounds, depending on what happens with um, Whitaker versus Adesanya, which we will be discussing on the second part of the podcast. Another fight on the card, um, we've got a welterweight bout between Gunner Gunny Nelson, who was supposed to be fighting Tiago the Pitbull Elvez. A little old school feel for you guys, but Elvez ended up having to pull out, so they threw in Gilbert Burns. And this is a really tough fight for both guys. Um, really good competitive matchup. Gunnar Nelson has a record of 17-4-1, and, and Gilbert Burns 16 wins, 3 losses. Uh, Gunnar Nelson's last fight, he lost via a pretty clear-cut decision to Leon Rocky Edwards. And Gilbert Burns won a decision over Alexei Kunchenko. So I think Gunnar Nelson has definitely fought the tougher guys when it comes to uh, Burns versus Nelson. I think it's going to be a really close fight. I think on the ground, obviously, Gunnar Nelson has the advantage. He is one of the best grapplers in the welterweight division, but he also has very good striking and he's very light on the feet with his in and out movement and he can fire that the, uh, the straight punches right down the center and uses like that lead uppercut to the straight punch and he's very good. But if he gets you on the ground and stuns you, he's going to be able to control you and usually lock up a choke or some type of submission. Usually he likes to go for that rear naked choke. And that's kind of what I see happening against Gilbert Burns. I think Burns can definitely hurt him on the feet and uh, finish him. But I think Gunnar Nelson's just too well-rounded of a fighter and has fought the tougher competition. And I think Nelson's going to be able to just control the, the range on the feet and then shoot in for takedowns and lock up a submission. I could see him hurting Burns on the feet, dropping him, um, throwing some ground and pound and going for a submission, kind of like what he did to uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, where he landed that vicious elbow to the fit to the forehead of Cowboy, busted him wide open and uh, sunk in the rear naked choke, which was probably one of the worst cuts I've ever seen from a single strike in MMA and one of the worst cuts in general. I mean, Cowboy's Oliveira was just shooting blood out of his forehead. So definitely think that Gunnar Nelson gets the job done here. What's next? What's next? I'm not covering every fight on the card. This is just kind of a uh, like a wrap up of like the best fights I think on that are going to be on here. Up next, we've got a light heavyweight bout between Ian Kutelaba and Khalil Roundtree. Or is that? Yeah, it's got to be a light heavyweight fight, right? I believe Khalil is a light heavyweight. Um, Ian Kutalaba, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you guys. I have not seen a lot of his fights. I probably have watched him cause I watch almost every card that there is. I just don't remember him. A lot of his fights have been, uh, haven't been memorable, obviously. Otherwise I would be able to recall them. He might've lost to, um, to, uh, Jared Cannonier actually, but let me check. I know his nickname's the Hulk and everything. And Khalil Roundtree, he has a win over Eric Anders at UFC 236. And man, his Muay Thai kickboxing and just his light on the feet Thai style of kickboxing that he got out of training at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand is just doing wonders for him. And I see it being no different here. I see Khalil Roundtree 
blasting Ian Kutalaba with leg kicks, body kicks, and finishing him up top with probably a right hand, kind of like what he did to Gokan Saki, maybe countering a kick with that power left hand or right hand and finishing Kutalaba in the first round via knockout. And I love Khalil Roundtree. I've seen him ever since he was on the Ultimate Fighter back in the day. And uh, his performance over Eric Anders at 236 was definitely an eye-opener for how much of an improvement he's made since coming off the Ultimate Fighter. Just that light-on-the-feet tie style of kickboxing, being able to blast leg kicks and switch kicks to the body and just mix up his combinations so fluidly on the feet. And I think he just runs right through Kute Laba in this one. Next, we've got a guy I just mentioned about two minutes ago, Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Nicholas Dalby in the welterweight division. Dalby has a record of 17 wins, three losses, and one no contest. And Alex Cowboy Oliveira has a record of 19 wins, seven losses, and one no contest. You know, I don't really know too much about Nicholas Dalby. I know I've heard a lot of people speak highly of him, of him being a really good fighter and just a really bright up-and-comer. But I, I kind of think Alex Oliveira is going to be able to get the job done here. I think he's fought tougher competition. I think his striking on the feet is probably cleaner than Dalby's. And when it comes to uh, the grappling, I don't really know because, like I said, I haven't seen too much of Dalby from my own personal experience. I do know him. I know of his name. And I'm sure I've watched him fight, but I cannot recall but I'm going to go with Alex Oliveira to get a decision here. I don't I don't see a, dis, um, a finish in this fight, but who knows? I've been proven wrong before. It could have definitely happen again. And then a fight on the prelims, which I want to discuss. In the lightweight division, we have Mark Jacasey versus Groovy Lando Venata. Mark Jacasey has a record of 13 wins and 3 losses. Lando Venata, 10 wins, 3 losses, 2 draws. Those 2 draws coming off of fights bet- uh, between himself and Dracar Close and Bobby King Green. I think Fanat is actually coming off a win in his last fight, if I'm 100% honest with you. Let me just check this really quick, and I will let you know. Yeah, so he beat Marcos Rosa Mariano at um, UFC 234 via first-round submission. Um, lost or got the decision, lost the decision to Jakar close. So the, the draw must have not been, okay. It was a draw against Matt Frivola at UFC 230 and then a draw against, um, Bobby King green. He lost the decision to Jakar close at UFC 226. But Fanat is a very good, very, very good striker and has good jujitsu as well. He's kind of an in and out he likes to really rely on just funky movement and his head movement and just being able to slip and slide out of range really effortlessly and change stances. Um, he likes to use that front side kick to the leg. He like just places it on your knee to kind of gauge the distance and then he'll throw uh, rear kicks off of that or just use that to keep you at a distance so he can fire his counter strikes. Um, But he's always moving his head. He's always in and out, slipping, sliding, trying to counter you. He doesn't really go first. He likes to to have you make a mistake and then counter off of your shots. Obviously, his debut in the UFC, he fought Tony Elkakui Ferguson, ended up dropping him two times in that fight, almost finishing him, and then getting submitted via Darce Choke. And when it comes to Banana's weaknesses, I think he kind of relies on on taking damage sometimes. And I know he likes to slip and slide and use defense, but he kind of can, uh, 
get drawn like drawn into firefights and take a lot of damage that he doesn't have to take if he was just a little bit more defensively responsible. And you kind of saw this fight. I believe he fought David Tamer at UFC 209, or it was Daniel Tamer, I believe. No, it was David Tamer, yeah, at UFC 209. And he lost the decision because he was just, he was, I don't want to say he stands in one spot because he does use his footwork and move in and out and side to side and everything like that. But he likes to kind of get drawn into fights where he'll just take the damage in order to give one back. He'll take two to give one back so he can counter and try to take you out. And that's kind of how he ends up losing these decisions is he gets tired. His cardio isn't the best. He's not, you know, in bad shape by any means, but he, uh, he gets tired and it's usually due to body strikes. A lot of knees to the body, um, and clinch strikes are what seem to tire Lando Venata out. If you're able to keep the fight at a distance, Venata is usually able to, uh, counter off your shots and, and, uh, end up picking you apart a little bit and landing good shots. But when it gets in close, he uh, tends to get hit to the body a lot, and that's what ends up taking his energy. Mark Jacasey, again, um, a taekwondo style, karate style, a striker, in and out movement, and just whips, like to whips overhand punches, and loves uh, spinning kicks, uh, roundhouse kicks, stuff like that. Can put you to sleep with one shot. Lost a fight to Dan Hooker at UFC 219, I believe, but... It could, I believe it was at 219. I'm not sure who's going to win this fight, you know, but it's a really, really good matchup for the lightweight division and definitely one that you guys should be checking out. If I had to guess who was probably going to get the job done here, I'm going to give the win to Lando, Lando Venata. I just think his counter-striking is going to be too clean for Mark Chikasi. I think Chikasi is the better like pure striker between him and Venata, but I think Venata's counter striking and just movement and uh, flow on the feet is what's going to be able to um, find the openings on Jacasey and more than likely get a decision. I don't see a finish coming. If there is a finish in this fight, it's because Mark Jacasey knocked out Lando Venata. I don't see Venata being able to finish Jacasey, so I'm going to say Lando Venata gets the job done via split decision, improving to 11 3 and 2. Um, I'm going to do UFC 243 pr uh, predictions on the second part of this episode, but really quick, let me jump over to some UFC or uh, WWE news. We had some really big news come out of WWE this past week, and um, one is that John Morrison has re-signed with WWE. He signed a new contract to come back. Um, I don't know. I'm, if I had to guess, I would... I'm pretty sure he would be on the main roster. I don't think they would bring back a guy like Morrison to go back to NXT and work with those talents, even though I think that would be an amazing decision for them to work with guys like, you know, Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream. You could have John Morrison versus Adam Cole, John Morrison versus Kushida. I mean, there's so many good matches for him in NXT, but on the main roster, I honestly feel like they're going to go in the direction to pair him up with The Miz in a tag team again, even though I think he would do much better as a single star, and I think that was proven in his career. He could do anything. He could do singles or um, tag team, you know, former tag team champion with The Miz and Joey Mercury um, in Eminem, um, former Intercontinental champion and 
I, th- I don't think he ever won the U.S. title. I know he won the ECW championship off of CM Punk back in like 2006, 2007. But John Morrison back in WWE is a really, really good sign. He should have never left, if I'm going to be quite honest with you. I think Morrison is one of the best in-ring performers in professional wrestling. I think him... He would do so good with the type of style that guys wrestle with now, the more high-flying, technical-based you know, matches that WWE more relies on performance now instead of storyline, if that makes much sense. And I think Morrison's going to shine when he comes back, and I cannot wait to see it. Um, I Hopefully he goes to SmackDown, and The Miz is on SmackDown as well. I, th- I believe after the draft, they're probably going to put Miz back over on Tuesday night, so I or uh, keep Miz on Tuesday night. So I think Morrison and the Miz on SmackDown is the way to go. So I can't wait to see it. And then something I never expected to hear: CM Punk well, had a meeting with Fox executives to work a Fox Sports One show called WWE Backstage, which will be airing once, obviously, once SmackDown makes its move over to Fox on October fourth, which is a Friday night. Um, he did some on-camera tests with Renee Young, so I I believe he'd be like an anchor or a just like a talk show host and then give his input on professional wrestling. But this is huge, even though it's not produced or controlled by the WWE. This is big for uh, CM Punk because we never thought we'd see him back in wrestling. I never did. Um, recently he's been more open to talking about it and saying that if WWE were to contact him, he would be open to having a conversation with them, which makes me think, listen, I know that this FS1 show is not controlled by WWE and it's controlled by the Fox executives, but listen, if he's coming back to do this show on FS1, he will, he will be making a return to the ring. Obviously, we don't know 100%, and it will not be set in stone. But if he's going to be working in with professional wrestling, I think that shows that he has an interest in coming back into the ring. And I think him, if he was to make a return, this is the perfect time to do it. There's so many guys that he could work with. Daniel Bryan obviously got cleared to compete. He's been back for a while. He said he would want to work with Bryan. Styles versus Punk. Um, Gargano versus Punk. Uh, who else? I mean, there's just so many guys, Finn Balor versus CM Punk, Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. Um, who, who's a new guy that he hasn't worked with that we'd love to see. I mean, Adam Cole and Punk, there's so many things for CM Punk to do. And I think this is the perfect time to bring him back in the new era of WWE moving fast SmackDown over to Fox and then switching up the rosters with the draft in the upcoming weeks. This is the perfect time to do this. And I don't, I don't think it'll happen right now. I think it's going to be a little while until Punk actually does make his return to the company. But I feel that CM Punk will have another match and will have another run in World Wrestling Entertainment. And it's gonna, I just feel like it's going to happen, man. The, the, the stars are starting to align. And this is something that the WWE, I think, would love to have. It would bring back fans. It would just put a lot more eyes on the product right now. And I definitely think it's a good decision. So hopefully that that's what's happening. Um, We're going to cut it here for the first part, guys. And then the second part will be a breakdown of UFC 243 Whitaker versus Adesanya. So thank you guys and tune in for the second part. This has been your host, Double M, and I'm out. Catch you on part two, guys.